Blog Talk Radio. to the Ken Reedy Show, the best talk in all the land. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We got a lot to get into. We're going to be all over the place. And again, we've kind of rebranded a little bit, a little teeny tiny bit. Um, But just so you guys know, if you didn't tune in to our first show back from our hiatus last week, um, you know, we changed the format a little bit. So we're going to be all over the place. We're hitting some pop culture. We are primarily a wrestling talk show, but we're going to hit some pop culture, maybe hit some politics, maybe even piss some people off which we're looking forward to doing. And we've also changed the rating to rated R. So there will be a few more F bombs in the works as we go through the show. So apologies, maybe tuck the kitties in and, and listen in. For those of you who are on Facebook live, thanks for y'all for tuning in again. Check us out on blogtalkradio.com slash the Ken Reedy show or the Ken Reedy show.com uh, where you could listen in. Uh, but we had a bunch of people out there on the Facebook live uh, tuning in. And without further ado, um, let me introduce my partner in crime, independent wrestling sensation, Rocky Santiago. Rocky, how you doing this evening? I am doing great, Ken. It is good to be back on uh, week two of the Ken Reedy Show after our hiatus. Uh, great to be talking about movies, wrestling, pop culture, politics, whatever, wherever the ship may steer. It is great to be here. Thank you very much for having me, Ken. I like that. Where the ship may steer, I'm happy to be here. That's, that's that, it. That was yeah, it's like Round spot. a little Dr. Susian kind of good <laughs> stuff. Um, and just to let you guys know, because, uh, you know, we were, we were on hiatus for a while, like two weeks, just way too much for us. So we're not going to be doing the show. <laughs> uh, but next week is Mother's Day. So hang out with your moms. Uh, have a good time. Uh, have a special dinner. Do what you're supposed to do. Um, and we're not going to be on the air next week. So, uh, you know, listen to some stuff in the archives, and we'll be back. Um, you know, it's, my, it's, it's not based on the best month to be coming back in, but we'll be probably we'll, – we'll take off Mother's Day. We'll see what happens, but there's a good chance we'll be taking off Memorial Day weekend as well. Um, but we'll let you know as, as time goes on. But we have a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, first off, again, we kind of entered into this last week, and like I said, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, maybe at times getting a little more personal than usual. But uh, – this is week two for us, not only week two on the show, though Rocky and I are both, uh, and, and producer Michelle, have, have hit the uh, uh, dietary bandwagon. It's, uh, what the hell am I talking about? We're on, we're, we're on diets. We're, um, we're kind of trying to get ourselves fit. We're on new workout programs. Uh, I, myself, am training 
um, to get myself into a bodybuilding show. Yeah, that's right. If you didn't tune in last week, that is true. Um, diet is going well. Started off the whole thing at 20% body fat. We'll get pinched. And uh, check out my Instagram. I'm going to go Instagram live that, that night. Um, 20% body fat, hoping it's down by Tuesday. Workouts are good. Diet's going good. Rocky, you're looking to get back into that ring, so we'll have reasons for uh, getting ourselves in shape, hitting the gym, lifting heavy, or in your case, you're kind of lifting a little lighter, high reps. How is your diet slash workout going? Well, yeah, like uh, I'm sure everyone knows out there uh, who's trying to get back in shape. It is a struggle. Uh, you know, it's a constant work. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to say that this week I was pretty solid and uh, the lifting went well. Uh, it's a different type of lifting for me. Normally I'm a power lifter type, uh, type guy, but this time it's really lifting for the, uh, for the endurance and, and putting it away and, uh, it's going well, it's going very well, like where it's going. Yeah. You know, and, and, all honesty, and, and we'll see what happens again, this show, like the rebranding, the redoing, however we're going to go with the show. Um, you know, I actually had someone, a friend, I'm not going to blow him up. If he wants to call and again, our, our phone number is three, four, seven, eight, three, eight, nine, eight, one, five is the number to call. Um, that's for him to share, but a friend did message me after last week's show and said, that's really cool. I'm going through my own fitness journey. That's great. I'm going to have to call him. We'll talk fitness. We'll talk working out. So I was like, Hey, that's cool, man. Cause look, we've all, we've all had our struggles. I wish I was the type of guy that was like, you know, I can eat chicken and vegetables all the time and, and I'm never tempted by booze or pizza or, uh, wings or burgers or Bacon, pancakes. And all, right, all right, let's. I, I see. I'm going off the rails. See, I, so I, I get it. And and you know, I've, I've had times where I've been really proud of myself, and I've had times where I'm not so proud of myself. And uh, um, so I mean, if, if that's the reason, if you're calling into the show or you listen to the show because you're kind of on board with the uh, fitness slash dietary journey, well, cool, man, and come on board. You want to talk about your own journey? That's cool. Uh, so I, I think it's cool that we're hitting upon that because there's no judgments here and it's, it's not about fat shaming, but it's all about being the, uh, the best version of yourself you possibly can be. So if that's the reason you want to call and listen as we're going through it, I think for me, and I don't know about you, Rock, it also gives me a certain amount of accountability. So, I mean, I don't want to, which, so I'm being selfish. So you guys watching here and listening to the show. Um, it's a little bit self-serving because I know if I'm on the show and I'm talking about dieting and getting myself in shape and training to get into a bodybuilding competition, ultimately, like the, the last show before the bodybuilding, this show, I'm going to do with no shirt on. So like, like here, here I am. Um, oh, dude, if I get down to 3% body fat, I might literally throw out all my shirts and just <laughs> Never put on a shirt again. Um, but no, like I didn't want, you know, I, I, it keeps me accountable doing the show and talking about it because I, I can't necessarily like, be like, hey, you know, I gave up. You know, I don't want to get on this microphone and sit here on the show and say I gave up. Yeah. So people listening, someone like we had one person message say cool and they're on their own fitness journey. And, and honestly, if we helped, inspired, uh, gave a little empathy to just one person, uh, that's cool. So it keeps me accountable. So we'll probably talk about it a little bit like each and every week, but um, hey, we're 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 doing all right. Yeah, we're doing all right. So lots to talk about, and I do. You know, there's when I was thinking about how to arrange the show, and you got to come up with an outline. And and as much as we're free flowing, like there is an outline. You know, and those of you on Facebook Live, outline. Just a preview. A little preview. Can't can't give you all of it. Can't give you all of it. Can't but um, give well 
I was thinking like there's a lot of shit going on in, in the world and everything. So I was like, you know, this week, from last week to this week, who is the warrior of the week? And this is not, we're not going to do this every week, but this is just some shit that came out of my head. <laughs> I was like, I mean, so who's the warrior of the week? Is, is it us for having another good week on the diet and, and working out and hitting the gym? Could, could, could it be us collectively? The, the Ken Reedy Show team, are we the warriors of the week? Could it be Nick Aldis? Nick Aldis retaining the NWA championship. A lot of interesting stuff he had to say on Busted Open. A lot of stuff I agree with. Um, could it be Nick Aldis? Could it, in fact, be Iron Man? Could Iron Man be the warrior of the week? Could be. Could it? Could it be? Could it be Arya Stark? Could Arya Stark and, and, and her role in, in, in the war against... The, the, the scary people. Winter is coming. Or winter is here. Winter won't leave. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or with all these people we're talking about, could it be, could Mary Gregory, Mary Gregory, could she be? I'm, I hate doing oh, Facebook yeah. Live because I'm drooling. Yeah, that's... I'm not drooling because of Mary Gregory. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of concerning. Could she, he... Her, they, be the warrior of of the week. So many people we can talk about. Some wrestling in there, some pop culture, so many things. And, and, you know, and that's where the show has kind of been different now. We're going to hit wrestling. But, you know, I've competed in powerlifting competitions going back. Producer Michelle's competed in powerlifting competitions. And interesting, I'm going to get, if those of you who don't know who Mary Gregory is, Mary Gregory is um, the transgender woman. Okay, she she identifies as a woman, so we'll be respectful. We'll refer to her as a she, for the most part, um, who has broken a ton of powerlifting records. And what's really interesting is, and, and this is where, like, my brain started going, because, first of all, like, when, when producer Michelle was doing powerlifting, our personal trainer, Mike, was about Michelle's size. He was a, he was a small dude. Wow. This dude could lift a Buick. It was insane what this guy, what, what his muscle mass was at that size. And what, what started my brain going is like, here's Mary Gregory, who biologically is basically a male, is identifying as, as a female, is having hormone injections, but she's still basically biologically a male. And I was thinking if Michelle had to lift, because Michelle set her own records, um, uh, she set a, I'm trying to remember, I believe she's, yeah, she set a powerlifting record and almost broke her own record. Um, but if she had to lift against Mike, if Mike said, guess what, guys, I'm a woman, um, there's no female probably anywhere that could have competed with him because he was, a, he was a smaller guy. So you're talking, he was probably, wow, he, I mean, I don't even know if he was 200 pounds. I mean, he was, but he was like muscles on his muscles, but he was a short guy and just uh, naturally just, densely packed like when you saw him without when you saw him clothed he kind of looked like a normal guy and then he took his shirt off it was like <laughs> like where did that come from um and, and he used to piss me off because i trained with him and i'd be struggling to get like you know like 250 up and like 250 would be his warm-up set and, and then he would, he would look at me and be like that 10th one did it look easy and i look at him like yeah fuck you man yeah it did look easy. <laughs> like that, that's what you're asking me and it just kind of started my, my brain going. And I thought it was an interesting conversation. And you want to chime in, 347 838 
Because I think like we've reached a point in our society where, I mean, look, as a whole, I think you go back and there's there's a big rift, obviously, between the left and the right. And I do think on social media and the internet and everything, the biggest problem is that those are the the extremes are, are the ones that are the most vocal, and those of us are kind of hanging out somewhere in the middle. Um, but like, I, I think that like we had. Um, I think the rift probably started if you went back to Bush, the left and the right. I think it got worse um, probably during Obama. And I, I lean left. I'm, I'm a left. I'm, I consider myself I, – I mean, I'm not an idiot. I like to consider myself liberal. I, I, I beg liberals sometimes to stop making liberals look stupid. Um, but I, I feel like it, it got worse during Obama, and now it's just right now with Trump. And I'm not blaming any – single president. I'm just saying we, both sides, the right and the left, continue to move in opposite directions, especially the extreme sides. And it's, it's interesting because the left would, you know, champion the cause of, like, minorities, women, the, the LGBT, I always get that, <laughs> lesbian, gays, transgender, like, I would champion those causes. Um, and now it's just kind of, well, where do you go? Like where and, and and I think that we've gotten to a point with with the internet and people and people just want to be angry and oh my side's right and and there's a lot of grays that there's not necessarily a right answer now for me I'm cool you you're a dude and you're born a dude and you want to be a woman cool right, it's not affecting me in any way if that's what you want to do in your life I don't get it I'm not gonna pretend to understand it I I don't I can't imagine what it's got to be like to feel like that not my gig but if that's your life and you want to do that cool. Um, I'm also for, I, mean, I would never consider myself a feminist, um, but I'm all for women's rights and, and women having fair opportunity. And, um, it's interesting because you feel like when it comes to feminists, the white, like, look at me right now, the white straight male, I am evil. I, I am the epitome of everything that's wrong I, I, with everything. I'm feeling oppressed right now. Yeah. <laughs> And what's yeah? I mean, just being here, being here, like the fact that it's the Ken Reedy show. I'm oppressing Rafi now. Yeah. Because that's what. But like, so right now, I feel like now the feminists don't know what to do, because now they want to champion the rights of the transgender community. However, now there's this individual who is taking away opportunities from females. He is a biological male. And again, nothing against you wanting to live like a female. However, where do you legislate sports now? There is a big difference between men and women, period. That's why there are men and women. We are different genetically. We are different biologically. Lean muscle mass is different when it comes to men and women. And the one thing with Mary Gregory that really got under my skin was the fact that she went out there on social media and was like, nine attempts, nine world records, great day. All right. All right. It's one thing that where we're going to look at your rights or whatever, but now you're going to be gloating. Now you're gloating at the fact that like you're technically biologically a male and you're beating female powerlifters and you're going to gloat about it. Like now I'm looking at you as the Andy Kaufman of powerlifting. <laughs> so I, again, I think she should live her life the way she wants to. Um, but, it, and again, this is where there are gray areas. And if you guys have any ideas, you want to post comments on the, on the Facebook thread or call us. Um, where does it go? I mean, should there be male, female, and transgender as far as records and, and classification in, in sports? 
I mean, and again, I'm, I don't want to be chauvinist or, or I'm not, but it, let's face facts. Like, take the worst team in the NBA and have them play the WNBA champions. They're going to kill them. The men's team is going to kill them. Um, so what happens when we get the guy that um, is just at the cusp and didn't make the NBA and decides, I'm going to identify as a female, and I'm going to like, and then you're, you're going to start taking away more and more opportunities for, for female athletes. And again, I'm not saying that I know like what the answer is and, and where the, where things should go, but there, there are instances now in high school sports where there are, there are girls that should be getting scholarships that are not going to get it because there are genetic men who identify as women that are shattering high school track records in the female division and are going to wind up getting scholarships that should have been earmarked for women. And so now it's just kind of a weird, and again, I don't know what the right answer is, but uh, it was just something that kind of got my brain going. And again, where our show is now, we're going to attack like different issues. It's basically going to be, Hey, I feel like talking about this. Let's hit it. So I'm curious, man. I mean, and you've been in the military, so, you know, and, and there are women in the military and I'm sure you've met like women that can kick ass. Sure. Um, we've sure. seen women in, I mean, there are women in wrestling. Um, hell, like I, um, Maria Manic. I would never mess with her. <laughs> she could kick my ass. Um, so I, again, I'm not like, I, I don't want to come off and say that like, you know, women are, you know, do this whole women are inferior thing, but I, I am, as I'm talking about this, kind of feel like I'm advocating for women. And I think women who are born biological women should have their own division in sports. And when it comes to powerlifting, it's tough for me to, to take seriously that this, this guy who was born a guy has nine world records in powerlifting in the, in the ladies division. I mean, where do we go with this? Well, yeah, it, it's really, it, it's a tough call. It's a sticky widget. It's whatever euphemism you want to stick to it. Simply because, this is untrodden ground. Uh, you, you, and to be 100% honest, uh, I, my politics lean libertarian. I, I'm very much, you know, live and let live, do as you do for yourself. As soon as you, uh, you know, try to impose your will on, on another person, that's when I have a problem. And, and, and in this case, you kind of have it in this case with Mary Grace, you know, Mary Grace and I don't remember the particulars, but I think, I think uh, he was in, or she was in her 30s before, you know, decided to become a, a woman. I don't remember the exact age. Yeah, it's, it's Mary Gregory. But I, Mary, Mary, Mary yeah. Gregory. Um, yeah, I believe it was, it was later on in life. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was so like, it essentially went through puberty, went through everything growing up as, as a man. Yeah, so, you know, when you look, when, and I'm trying to look, th- look at this from a scientific perspective. And you, you have male hormones coursing through your body for that long. And, and what is relatively a short amount of time, you want to cha- you, you change all that. Again, you're absolutely your prerogative. But then you go to something like uh, women's powerlifting. And as you said, completely brag about shattering records and I'm like man like for 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 someone who's lived as a man for you know more than 30 somewhat years and only become a woman recently uh, and then to brag about it that's you know 
it, it's already enough of a gray area, but to be to have the hubris about it, that's what makes it that much worse. I, I agree with you there. Like, there's something, and again, I what I think is interesting, and I think this country and the left and the right need to start with with most issues is that there's not necessarily a right answer. And especially like you millennials out there, um, you know, there's not an absolute, there's a big gray area. And, and at this point, here's an issue where, you know, you want to champion the cause of the transgender community and you also want to champion the cause of women's rights. So what do you do? And there's, there's no, there's not really a right answer, no. um, which is why I found this, this situation like fascinating. Like what, what do you do? And I agree with you. If she, if she came out after this and, and just had a statement where it was like, thank you to, to the lifting community. I know I am a unique case. I am very blessed to be able to compete. Thank you, everyone who supported me. I, at least for me, I would have received it a little bit better. The fact that she's like nine for nine, right? like, all right, you're being arrogant now. Like, I mean, exactly. That kind of was like now I, like I wanted to like you and I wanted to kind of, all right, like cool, but you're going to be arrogant about that. And that kind of, that really rubbed me the wrong way. So um, it, it's really intriguing. And I do think that, you know, in our country, we need to get better at talking about like right now it's interesting, but the left, especially on social media and everything. And again, I lean left. So anytime it sounds like I'm bashing the left, I'm not. Cause I, I lean left. I lean left, especially socially. Um, you know, they don't know what to say. It's like, if, if they come out against Mary Gregory, they're bashing the transgender community. And it's like, if they support Mary Gregory, then they're against women's right to compete in powerlifting and, and for the women's records to have some sanctity. So there's not a right answer here. And I, and I don't know. I mean, I tend to lean towards, you know, however you're born, that's where you compete. Um, if you want to change whatever, that's cool, but you still need to compete where you were born. But I don't know how you enforce that. I don't really know. And I'm lucky I'm not in charge of the powerlifting federation. I don't have to make up these rules, but I do find it fascinating that there's really not a right answer. No, absolutely. You know, it, it's these next couple of years, I think, are, are going to define what that answer becomes. And it, there's going to be more than, uh, you know, more than a small amount of hurt feelings along the way. Because as you, as you alluded to, what, when one takes a position when it comes to something like this, at least in this, uh, this modern-day discourse, it seems as if if someone takes a position, uh, the opposing side is able to paint that person as uh, a radical or a hateful person or a hate monger. Or a, and it seems uh, that no one is able to maturely just sit down have a conversation and look that there are issues. There are obviously issues that need to be discussed, that need to be hashed out. And the absolutes are not correct. That if, if, if that pendulum is swinging too far to the left or too far to the right, I'm sorry, that's an unsustainable position. There has to be some sort of meeting of the minds. Right. And again, there's no right answer. I just said, if you have, you know, maybe someone who's listening is thinking like, Hey, I have an idea. Just our producer, Michelle sent us some, in, some information. Our friend, uh, uh, that was our trainer. Mike was actually 145. He's 145. Pounds. Wow. Right, yeah, he's a, <laughs> a freak, man. Like I, and he was a great trainer, um, because he was very matter of fact with it. Like, like I, I set a state record in, in bench press or bench press raw in, in my age group. 
Um, in the competition, I never lifted 315 in my life. And he's just like, you're going to lift 315. I'm just going to put it on the bar. And it was like, he was so matter of fact about it. I'm like, I guess I'm lifting 315. <laughs> guess that's what's going to happen. So, um, but yeah, so 145. So if that dude decided that I'm going to identify as a female like in the 145, there's not like he would own, like literally he would own every single solitary female powerlifting there possibly could be on the planet and, and no woman would ever be able to touch it. And, and that, that's where it's like, all right, where, where exactly do you go with this? And, and again, live and let live. Cool. You want to be like this, but if it's at the expense of some other people, like where do you go? And I, I you know, I don't have an answer. And it's, it's like, I don't know how to close the subject. <laughs> There's no like actual answer. No. I just thought it would be an interesting talking point because there, there are a lot of stuff this week that I'm like, you know, warriors competing and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, let's hit a little bit of the pro wrestling, obviously, because that's, that's our bread and butter. But Nick Aldis, Nick Aldis, uh, formerly Magnus, uh, NWA champion, winds up retaining the NWA title. Um, and and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. First, I want to ask you, because we, we had, um, oh, Jesus Christ, like how am I brain farting on this dude's name? Uh, the, we went to a show in New Orleans. Oh, God, you shot it right out of my head. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I see his face in my head. Jesus Christ. Like, uh, the, wrestling, the, the legendary guy that's, like, done wrestling magazines forever, and for whatever reason, and I know him, and he's a great guy, and he's a great friend, and for whatever reason, his, his name has actually left both of our brains, <laughs> and it's, it is just, I am embarrassed right now. Are you looking yeah. it up? I, I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm trying to look it up, but I'm trying to remember well, what, what reference point do I have to look it uh, yeah, up? <laughs> I, I am thoroughly embarrassed right now. So when you look it up, I'm going to like vamp right now. Okay. Um, but what you were saying, and I'm going to be so embarrassed. Look up uh, Wrestling Mags uh, 1980s. Bill Aftermath. Bill Aftermath, thank you. Jesus Christ. I, I, as soon as you said Wrestling Mags, I'm like, Aftermath, holy oh, shit. How did we forget that? God, talk about embarrassing on a wrestling show. Like, Bill, and Bill, I guess, a great guy. He's always like, every time I see him, he gives me a hug. Don't tell him how to get his name from here. Um, great guy. I can't believe I brain farted on that, but, uh, um, uh, a couple of Joe's hanging out. Chris, Sam, what's up? How you doing on the Facebook lot? Um, so did someone knock into the studio door uh, or is I, that my dog just trying to get in? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think producer Michelle was trying to chime in with the name, but we, we got it already. Yeah. Sorry. So Bill after once was telling me that like the, the, Aesthetics of a champion is very important. The look of a champion is very important. Sure. How someone looks with a title belt is very important. It's not the end-all be-all, but it's something. And I think with the NWA, uh, you know, kind of, uh, if you want to say a forgotten brand, a brand that's fallen on hard times, a brand that's not necessarily well-known. Um, people might know that the name, obviously, with the internet, it's a lot more accessible to younger fans. Um but I remember going back, and, and he's turned it around, and I wasn't a big fan, but thinking about The Miz back when he was champion. And I remember friends of mine who stopped watching wrestling, and every, I would see them, and they'd be like, oh, what's going on in wrestling? Who's the champ? Was it? And I remember saying, oh, The Miz. And the response I got was, the little shit that was on the real world? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, really? So, that, and again, The Miz has come a long way. I'm a fan of what he's doing now, but it wasn't something that would necessarily bring in new fans where to me in pro wrestling, you got to do for your current fans, but you also have to do a lot to bring in new fans. And if you, if you're not a wrestling fan, 
Say, say you haven't watched wrestling since the 80s. Maybe you were an NWA fan. You got away from it. You're an adult now, you're thinking, and you hear, shit, the NWA is coming back. And you just see a picture of Nick Aldis holding the 10 pounds of gold uh, in his wrestling attire. When you look at him, you think that's, that's a fucking champion. Oh, like that, that's a champ. Um, so I think right now, the aesthetics, he's the perfect guy to hold the mantle for the NWA. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, especially not, not only uh, when you look at Nick Aldis, out of the ring, in the ring, the man looks like the consummate professional. Uh, you know, physically, the way he carries himself, when, uh, whenever they give him an interview, whenever they put him on the mic, that man screams champion. And, you know, the NWA may not be as well known as it once was, but especially to the wrestling community, it still carries a ton of respect. And I think uh, Nick Aldis is doing that belt justice with keeping the prestige, the, the, the legacy, if you will, of the NWA behind its champion. Yeah, and, and I, I wanted to get into it because he did an interview on Busted Open, and, and I'm curious. Look, and, and I made no bones about it. And we went to the G1 show at the Garden on WrestleMania weekend. It was the first time in a long time, at least for me. It's the first time this stretch, uh, excuse me, like I went to WrestleMania 10. And then starting at WrestleMania 25, we've gone to everyone. Uh, every year we've gone to the Hall of Fame except this past year. So it was a big deal, like, giving up the, the Hall of Fame. But we were like, let's go see history at the Garden. I'll be honest, man. And I try. I really did. I try. I don't get New Japan. It doesn't do it for me. Um, when I watch wrestling, I want to see a fight. What's up, Anthony? Um, and I just don't get that from – the Japanese style. I just don't get it. Um, if that's your gig, cool. Um, you know, I think there's a lot, you know, in pro wrestling, you could be into the the big guys, you could be into the athletic guys, you could be into the Japanese style, you could be into deathmatch shit, you could be into promo work, and you can be into all that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff in pro wrestling. Like, you could be a wrestling fan and like certain things and don't like other things. Um, but there are a few things that Nick Aldis said, and I'm paraphrasing. Um, One, he did say, why is it, like, there are fans that dig the big aesthetics. I've always been that guy. You know, in an era right now where body shaming is a thing. Oh, yeah. um, I don't don't want to, we'll talk about Avengers later, but I I don't want a a fat superhero. I don't. (laughs) I don't want, to me, like, you're a hero. You're an aesthetic that I am striving for. You are the pinnacle of, of what, you know, the human condition can be. I admire those people. Like, when I see, like, I like looking at a Nick Aldis thinking, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind looking like that. I don't, but, you know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it a little harder at the gym tomorrow. Um, I appreciate that. I, I, like, when I see guys that are jacked, you know, it's like every year Triple H comes out for WrestleMania. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Christ, he's still chiseled out of granite. Yes. Um, so I dig that style. I dig that look. Uh, but one of the things that Nick Aldis brought up, and this is point one that I, I kind of want to get your take on it, because admittedly, both of us, not really big fans of the Japanese style. Fair. Okay. We went to the show. We gave it a chance. We sat there. Some of the matches we were a little bored with. Whatever. Some of the spots were like, all right, cool. Um, there were times where people started chanting, this is awesome. We were like, that, that was a hip toss. Uh, 
Um, but we didn't sit there and boo. We didn't sit there and shit on everything. And it was interesting that, like, what Nick said is, why is it that certain fans, if you're into that athletic style, if you're into the, the smaller guys, you're into that, that Japanese style, you're into the acrobatics, cool. But why do you feel the need to shit on the other styles? Because those of us that dig the fights, like the bigger guys, like the power moves, like that, that superhuman kind of kind of vibe, we don't shit on the Japanese style. We don't sit there and we might not watch it. We might look at it and say, that's our bathroom break. But we don't sit there and boo it. We don't, we don't want to, we don't start a, this, this sucks kind of, you can't wrestle or you look fake or stop doing flifty doos <laughs> or start the wave. It's like, all right, so that's not, yeah, I'm not into this match. Why is it? And it gets frustrating for certain matches that I kind of want to watch that fans are shitting on. Why is it that we're the type of wrestling fans that we could be into one style and not an other, and kind of keep our mouths shut and be like, all right, whatever, that's a different style. But fans of, like, the new wrestling fan, is it a millennial thing? Is it just millennials like the, the smaller guys, so they have to shit on everything else? What is it? But I thought Nick Alex brought a really good good point up where he's like, he's like the fan, he, he basically said, my fans don't crap on the other styles, and why do you have to crap on my style? No, I think, uh, I think Nick brought up an excellent <laughs> point. Uh, because it seems that the the, the, the present-day fan, if they don't like what's going on in the ring, it seems they have to be bloody vocal about it. And this was evident in WrestleMania, and I swear to God, I'm pretty sure I said this on the last show, but we had a, a couple of guys in front of us who were just yammering away at, the, at obviously, the matches they weren't into, like uh, Batista Triple H. Like, they were just yammering away and just shitting all over it. And if I had a bike, if I had a motorcycle helmet in my hand, I would have belted it in the head. I really wanted to. It's it's irritating. And like you said, you know, not everyone likes every style. I get that. I wa- I was there at G1. I watched. Some matches were good. Some matches, I was like, okay, now I can get up and get a freaking beer. You know, I, I'm not going to sit there and actively, you know, just shit all over the match. And, you know, for those folks who think, oh, these guys are just talking, they don't like, you know, they don't like the athletic guys, the smaller guys who can flip. Look, well, one of the things you said, Ken, was, you know, that uh, uh, this is awesome chant for hip toss. And if I, if I remember the context of that, this is awesome chant, they were going through some sort of acrobatic routine that could have been a floor routine. And the hip toss, I think, was the, the exclamation point of the routine. And then all of a sudden, this is awesome because they just went, you know, totally floor routine for the past 30 seconds. Now, I'm not shitting on a hip toss because, and, and there is actually a video out there of a, a story of, again, us that have been wrestling fans for a long time, truly value storytelling. It was actually a match between uh, X-Pac, who back then I think was going by the one, two, three kid versus Bret Hart. And, it, was a, it wasn't even a sequence. It was just a simple, it was a hip toss. Uh, X-Pac hip tosses Bret Hart. Now, now let, let me say, no, one, two, three, kid, hip tosses Bret Hart. And the camera was at the perfect angle. It caught Bret Hart. He took the bump. He sat up. And he kind of just, like, tilted his head and, like, huh, this kid's not so much of a joke. And, but in, in, 
that simple move, it told the story in those freaking four seconds. And I'm, so I'm not saying, oh, I don't want to see any acrobatics. There has to be context. There has to be a story behind it. The story for that particular instance, the story was, okay, I got to take this guy seriously. It's not, let me see how many flips and how many turns I can shove in there in, you know, 30 seconds or less. Yeah, and that's just it. Like, when someone gets hit, like, is it supposed to be, like, a competitor? I mean, look, we're being real here. We all know it's a work. Um, spoiler alert, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's a work. <laughs> By the way, hey, uh, Julie's on board on Facebook, and Colin, what's up, guys? Um, but, I, you know, I, there needs to be violence. I mean, maybe I'm sick, or maybe there's something wrong with me, but, I, like, when, when someone's getting hit, I, I kind of wanted to register some, some damage. Like, yeah. I can... Look, there was that, and I wish I remember her name, but there was a woman who, um, collegiate athlete that did a, a gymnastics floor routine that was, like, beyond incredible. Oh, the perfect okay. 10. Uh, yeah, it, it was amazing what she was able to do. Um, yeah, if, if that's what I, if I want to see that, I'll watch gymnastics. Like, I, it's, I admire the athleticism, but that's something that, for me, don't, I don't need to see in a wrestling ring. I, I just, I... Call me crazy. Caitlin Hohashi. Caitlin Hohashi. Exactly. That's what I thought. There's, there's only a tip of my tongue. Yeah. Right there with Bill After. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> um, it's funny. Like, Michelle, uh, producer Michelle actually texted. She's like three times, Bill After, Bill After, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Bill After. Same as Marcel. So, like, I can't believe it. But anyway, but I would watch that. Um, when I watch wrestling, I kind of want violence. I want, like, body slams that hurt. Yeah. You know, I want someone to get hit and for it to register. Um, but again, I thought Nick Ellis's point was fine. That like it's not my cup of tea, which is fine. But why is it that if if it, you know, if the the stronger, bigger guys uh, are not your cup of tea, then why is it you're now it's time for you to chant, you can't wrestle, or or this is boring, or it's time for us to start the wave. And, and I think that's kind of where. Uh, the point he was trying to make that why are fans so rude uh, today? And a lot of fans that he was saying is, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I pulled up the Facebook feed on my phone that started playing. I'm hearing myself again. Uh, that's not good. But anyway, um, you know, I, uh, Jesus Christ, I don't want to hear me. I just want to see what the comments are. All right. This is not working well. Um, but, uh, Oh my God, stop pulling up the bug. Anyway. Um, I just don't get why you have to shit on what other people are into. And what Nick Alda said is like a lot of fans that are coming back to the NWA kind of dig the old school look. I mean, him in a suit is awesome carrying the 10 pounds of gold. Yep, he's yep. chiseled when he's in his wrestling gear. Um, I dig what he's doing. And the other thing that he said where a lot of fans that are critical of him are like, well, wrestlers that look like you are dime a dozen. Everyone looks like that. Like, number one, <laughs> first off, no. Like, if you think that, Try, honestly, try and do what I'm doing right now because I'm in November. I'm going to have to be down at 3% body fat. So if you think it's easy to look like Triple H, to look like Batista, to look like Nick Aldis, give it a whirl. Yeah. Uh, give it a whirl. In fact, I, I'll, I'll give you people who are going to criticize them. I'll say, try to keep up for a month. Try. Yeah. Try to keep up that lifting schedule for a month. Two weeks. So when you, if you say that, that's some bullshit. Yeah, that's- and I'm not saying being a guy that does spots and flips, that's easy either. Sure. When you're like looking like that as a dime a dozen, stop. 
you know, especially when you think these guys are on the road constantly, you know, putting up with, you know, flight schedules, travel schedules, having to keep on top of not only the workout schedule, but your diet schedule, when you have to eat, what you have to eat. Definitely is by no means easy and is absolutely 110% work. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just insanity that they have to find a gym. Like, you have to lift to maintain that. Sure. Um, and the other thing, which was great, that his response was, like, uh, you know, fans say, oh, you know, you're a dime a dozen. So many wrestlers look like that. He said, all right, so many wrestlers look like I do. Tell me how many long-haired, bearded wrestlers there are in the WWE. <laughs> That's and then he said, and then he said, a wrestler should look like Batista, not a barista. And I like that is fucking gold. I'm waiting for the t-shirt. Exactly. I, you know what? We should make the t-shirt and then sell it back to him. Absolutely. (laughs) Money. Um, but I'm digging what he's doing, and I, to me, like with the modern day wrestling fan, he hit the nail on the head. In fact, his autograph is up in the studio back when he was Magnus in uh, TNA. Hold on, I'm going to turn the Facebook Live around, and here we go. Facebook Live. There he is. I met Magnus a long, long time ago. Um, but, I, I, you know, I was always kind of a fan of, of Magnus. I always dug his look. I thought he brought a lot to the table. Now I'm just, I'm on board. And in all honesty, for me, I I really couldn't tell you who's really wrestling in the NWA. I mean, I know uh, Billy Corgan's involved. I know he's trying to resurrect it. There was nothing that really kind of drew me in, but this has. Like, I'm a Nick Aldis fan. Uh, there was a little bit of blood in the championship match uh, with Marty Skrull. I'm, I'm on board with him as a champion. And, and in all honesty, I mean, he, he is an impact guy. I mean, he broke in uh, there, but it's impact. It's TNA. Um, I like the idea. Uh, it's not like a WWE retread. It's not like he's still on the upswing of his career. And I think, look, you could have gotten a guy. You got a guy like we'll get into. We'll get into John Moxley. I mean, you could get John Moxley to go to the NWA, slap that NWA title on him, and be like, "Hey, look, and let's let's use him to push the NWA." But I like the fact that this is the NWA champion. Yeah. This doesn't come off as any sort of retread or redo or capitalizing off of like previous success this is nick aldis nwa champion and and quite frankly i think he's the guy and i'm really glad they had him retain i i think he's the guy to move the company forward no i can definitely agree with that when, when you look at nick aldis and uh, what he's done with the championship that's that's a guy you can build something around yeah absolutely and as we've had this discussion before right now it's a very interesting time in the wrestling world because it, you know Obviously, WWE is still the king of the hill, but you have some guys waiting in the wings. You know, may, maybe, you know, TNA Impact has had its problems, but lately, I have to say, I, lately Impact for me, at least personally, for me, it's been on the upswing. You know, it, it's, it's going to be a long road, but the, a contender. You have AEW in the wings. You have the NWA possibility, NJPW. You know, th- there are plenty of places uh, where you can get alternate forms of wrestling. And I think Nick Aldis uh, helming the NWA can do nothing but bring them up. And as far as, you know, a, a future opponent, uh, something like, like to see, you know, maybe even uh, since he lost the, uh, since he lost his belt, maybe Jay Lethal. Uh, so some to that effect. But right now I, I think Nick Aldis can do no wrong. 
I agree, and I'm kind of – and it's interesting with wrestling because, again, like – and I said last show, I'm kind of getting to a point with wrestling that I'm, I'm consuming the product in a different way. So I hear the, the Nick Aldis-Marty Skrull match was good. I'll go back and check that match out. Um, you know, AJ Styles cut a good promo on SmackDown. I'll go, I'll go check out that, that promo. Oh, did you check out this New Japan match? All right, I'll go check that out. So it, it's rare for me that I actually sit and watch a full-on show. I'll watch pay-per-views. Um, obviously sat through the 24-hour marathon, 40, however, two days, three days, however long WrestleMania was. Um, but, you know, there's a, now it's, 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 it's kind of an interesting time in the business where you can, like, consume the product in a, in a different way. Um, there's stuff online. And we got, we got to get uh, Maria Manic on the show at some point. Oh, yeah. But, like, even that stuff, like, her social media is phenomenal. Like, I find her, she's the first wrestler I become a fan of just through social media and it was only seeing her because i don't know if you saw she got kicked off twitter because she uh, yeah i think i did she threatened cannibalism which it's wrestling which <laughs> she like, but she was like banned for life from twitter which is hilarious and uh so she was banned for life from twitter so set up her own youtube channel um and i, I just find her really entertaining and, and huh. through and through that i've gone and watched some of her matches on youtube but she is the first wrestler that I become a fan of purely based on social media. Like that's where I kind of got into her work. And she's someone as far as lady wrestlers, like she's something different, which I really, I really dig. But I think that's where we're at as far as uh, being a wrestling fan. You can sit there if that's your gig and you still want to sit there for three hours on Monday night, two hours on Tuesday night, you're going to check out 205 Live, you're going to check out ROH, you're going to check out New Japan, you're going to watch NWA and, you know, and, and you never get laid and you never go to the gym and, and that's what your deal is in your mom's basement. Well, cool. But uh, for some of us that have other shit to do um, with all the stuff around in pro wrestling, it's got a, it's got a little bit easier to be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to pick and choose, you know, when I have moments, I, I generally watch stuff, uh, you know, the WWE on DVR, you know? Yeah. No. And another wrestler I like to throw out there that I've become a fan of mostly through social media definitely is uh, Jordan Grace. Uh, she's done great things, you know, at a lot of federations and now, you know, now in impact, but I don't know if you saw, if you've seen her Twitter lately, but in a one particular independent show, she actually, uh, used a fan as a weapon. She, she took, she body slammed a fan onto her opponent. And if that wasn't funny enough, I, one of her next pieces of merch was actually a t-shirt says this, you know, it says like, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, Jordan it, Jordan Grace body slammed me. It has a little asterisk. And if you look at the back of it, it's essentially a legal, you know, indemnification clause. Like, you can't sue me for injury if I, <laughs> if I use you to body slam onto my back. It was hilarious. I was, awesome. like, I was like, this that shirt is gold. That's awesome. And I think it's great. I think, uh, you know, using social media, it's a, it's a way to break in. And, oh, God. Paisano Steve's on board, and uh, my cousin Dan's on board. So, hey, guys, what's up? Thanks for joining the Facebook feed. Again, if you want to listen to everything, you want to give us a call, 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Show or thekenreedyshow.com. You can be listening into the live feed. Um, but let, let's, you know, let's get into it. And I, I, I'm sitting here, we're talking wrestling. Um, we hit a little powerlifting. We've hit some wrestling. Um, but you're sitting there at your goddamn Captain America shirt on, and I'm just uh, again, the show, stream of conscience, man, we're talking about whatever the fuck we want to talk about from now on, so I, I want to talk Avengers, so okay. Avengers, 
Endgame. I'm jonesing to talk about this. Anyone who's listening right now, anyone who's listening, okay? I'm gonna like we're gonna talk about Endgame. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. We're gonna be reviewing it. I'm not gonna give it an A or B. We're just gonna kind of give our take on on the movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. I'm gonna, even on the fa- on Facebook here. You guys are awesome. Thank you for tuning in. We are gonna talk Avengers. Um, you want to comment and talk about Avengers uh, again? You might want to hop off if people start commenting on their thoughts on, on Avengers. Um, we're going to be talking about Avengers now, okay? If you want to call and talk Avengers, three four seven eight three nine eight one five is the number to call. Um, again, the show now we're just talking about whatever we want to talk about. Spoiler alert: Have I done enough? I think you. Have. Okay, and look, let's see. It's um, let's let's make a pack. We got about. 41 minutes left in the show, okay? okay? So you guys, if you guys are listening right now and you're, you're like, oh, shit, like, I don't know what, um, you know, I, I tune us back in at 7 o'clock, okay? So we'll, the last half hour, we will give no Avengers. We'll give you, at this point, we'll give kind of a 12-minute uh, spiel on what we thought of the Avengers, but we, I'm promising you right now, by seven, we'll be done. You could tune back in. You'd hop back on the Facebook uh, live thread if you want. But so we'll do that. We'll give you like a 12 minute blurb on it. So I, I, I have I been fair? People feel on Facebook. Am I being fair? Like have I really introduced this long enough that we're going to be talking about spoilers? We're going to be hitting the movie and because uh, there's stuff I want to talk about. And I'm not a Marvel guy. I'm a DC guy, and you're more of a Marvel guy. So. There's stuff that, like, we can discuss, and, you know, why have a conversation at the bar and we can just do it on the air? This is fair. So, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And here it goes. Okay. So, Avengers Endgame. Thought it was really good. Um, I did not feel a need to grab a tissue. Uh, people, there was someone who said to me, bring lots of tissues, you're going to be crying. Did not grab me like that. The only time I thought I was going to get somewhat emotional, but it was so fleeting, it, it didn't get me. But when Stan Lee had his cameo, um, which is probably his last cameo, I don't know if he has anything else in the can somewhere. But, I mean, obviously they can always edit him in, I guess, if they need to kind of create something. But odds are this was his last cameo. A little tug at the heartstrings, but it didn't grab me. I'm going to talk... Let's see. I'm going to talk first about the stuff that kind of I didn't like, and then I'll talk positive. I'll start with negative, then I'll talk positive. First off, I think Marvel fans, who I, I on some levels they're a lot like the internet wrestling fans, um, and, and the cinematic universe type fans. Um, you you, you over exaggerate. Movie was very good. Movie was very good. Um, it was a very good superhero movie. Uh, it wasn't a perfect movie. Um, some of the things I would have liked to have seen, number one, we get, we get smart Hulk. Uh, we get the amalgam professor Hulk, the amalgam between banner and Hulk, which was awesome. There's, there's our first spoiler. So I hope you guys hopped off. Um, I thought that was really cool and I'm a big fan of the Hulk character, but Hulk was being a little bitch at the end of, uh, infinity war. You know, it was like, need Hulk. Hulk's like, no! And then Banner's like, Hulk, we need you. I'm not coming! You know? (laughs) Bad people! No like Thanos, not coming out! You know, so, I mean, I would have liked to have seen the journey on how did we get from 
Hulk being like, fuck this. You, you guys deal with Thanos. I'm going to hide inside Banner for now. To being like, yeah, Banner, Hulk, we're all cool and we're one being. I would have liked to have seen how they did I thought it was awesome. I thought uh, Mark Ruffalo did a great job at least voicing it. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, the character in and of itself, even when uh, they got back to um, the old, uh, the first Avengers movie and that, that yeah. flashback, uh, flashback with time travel, no spoiler. Um, and he's like, oh, Hulk smash, smash. Like, ah. I, yeah, I, I thought that was really funny. I thought that was cool. But I would have liked to have seen the journey. Um, I thought that uh, – I honestly think Captain Marvel is an absolute waste of time. I know, I know there's this whole, uh, we, need a, we need a female hero, like, you know, the, the, the feminist agenda and, and trying to make sure. And, and she was uber powerful. But aside from, like, bringing Tony back, who essentially figured out time travel – and look, she had she she knocked down some spaceships at, at the end in the in the final battle. But the the for the end of the last movie that we need to signal Captain Marvel, I I thought she had a very minuscule role as far as like how important she was in in the final scheme and like how how the battle played itself out. She had a nice little exchange with Thanos, but really and truly. You thought she may have been the one to put on the gauntlet and, like, she could withhold that, that sort of power um, was not the case. Um, so, in all honesty, I thought Captain Marvel movie was mediocre to good, and her role in Endgame was like, eh, okay, she wasn't really that necessary. Um, the final battle when the, um, you know, all the portals opened and you realize that shit worked and people are coming back, that was pretty freaking cool. Um, the final battle was awesome. I'm, I might have to rank the final battle of Cobra Kai. I'm not going to spoil that, but that, that battle was kick-ass in the final episode of season two. Um, but it still was really cool. Um, I, I hate, I hate just about everything they've done with Spider-Man. I can't get around it. I try. Um, I love the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. For the love of God, can Spider-Man stop retracting his, his like, every time he needed to say a line, like, mask off, mask back on, mask off, mask back on. Hey, Thanos, guess what? I'm Peter Parker. Hey, everyone else here, I'm Peter Parker. You know, like, there's, there's nothing about that character that shows any sort of gravity as far as concealing his secret identity. It drives me up a wall. And they used Spider-Man to be the bitch boy to, to have your, your feminist agenda scene where it's like Spider-Man's getting his ass kicked. But then there's Captain Marvel and all the other female characters surround him and like, we got this. You know, and that was, uh, um, you know, the feminist agenda scene that they had to stick in there. Um, But other than that, I thought the final battle was really cool. I thought how they battled Thanos and and ultimately, uh, again, big spoiler if you haven't turned it off yet. um, Tony Stark sacrificing himself in in the end was, was freaking cool. I kind of assumed, I thought Captain America was going to die in, in the battle some way, shape, or form. Um, Captain America wielding Thor's hammer was freaking awesome. Um, but I thought, like, uh, Stark just, uh, just in, in the movie was very poignant, and also just knowing that the Iron Man film kicked off the Marvel Universe and symbolically ending it, um, I thought was really cool that that, that fell on him and, and I didn't see that character doing that so I thought that was kind of cool 
Um, and then the, the only other criticism, I like what they do in Captain America. I like the end. Um, I thought it was cool that, you know, he was like, man, I can travel back in time. I'm going to return stones and I'm going to get some. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. You invented time travel? All right, man. I'm going to I'm going like, to come back as an old man, but screw it, man. I'm going to get mine. Um, but the one thing also, and, and I want to get your whole take. I'm like rambling, and then you can give your whole take. Uh, we got like, we have, no, wait, wait, hold on. We got like seven minutes. So the one thing that I, I did bother me that with, again, with Spider-Man, which is why I'm so negative towards Spider-Man, um, we get his reunion with his best friend at school, which was poignant, and, and it was cool, and, and I thought that they played the scene well as actors. But as a Spider-Man fan, um, I needed to see that reunion with Aunt May. I just think that that's something that should have been on screen, that we should have seen Peter Parker and Aunt May reunited. Um, and we didn't get to see that. And, uh, and I'll end with this. As far as the whole Marvel Universe, which is really interesting for me as a comic book fan... I probably would have, going into this, not knowing anything, just what I grew up with, my favorite Marvel hero would have been Spider-Man. Um, second would have probably been like Captain America. Third, um, maybe Iron Man. Mix in some X-Men, the, the uh, Fantastic Four, somewhere in the middle there. Like I don't even know if Thor would have cracked my top ten going into the Marvel Universe. When it's all said and done, when this decade is over, my favorite character Loved his arc, loved him losing his confidence in this movie, loved that he looked like the big Lebowski through the bulk <laughs> of this movie. Uh, when Raccoon said, like, you look like melted ice cream, I thought that was that was hilarious. Um, I, I just loved everything that Thor did. I enjoyed all three move all three Thor movies. Um, I think Thor and Captain America were the two uh, strongest franchises uh, in the whole Marvel Universe. Uh, as great as Iron Man 1 was, I didn't think 2 and 3 lived up to as great as the first Iron Man. Um, the Avengers movies, I, I don't think that... Uh, I thought uh, Age of Ultron was a disappointment. Um, Infinity War and Endgame were both really good movies. Again, I didn't take it as transcending. I thought it was a, a, a really good movie. Enjoyable, long, but I, I, I don't think it dragged. And um, honestly, and, and now that we're talking spoilers, uh, I got up to pee right at the end of them getting Thor to join them. Like once when Thor was hammered and he was wearing, not wearing a shirt and they were like, you know, trying to convince him. I'm like, Thor is going to join them. There's no suspense here. Like he's going to join them. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, this is the time to pee. And I ran out. I peed and got back just in time to see uh, um, Hawkeye killing someone in Tokyo. So it just did a, it was a good time to hit the, the pee break. And uh, that was it. So I like, if I, you know, I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was a very good movie. I think it, it, it got oversold on, on some levels. I don't look at this movie as an Oscar potential. I don't look at it as a great picture kind of movie, but it was a really fun action filled funny at times as much as the grab i mean half the universe or the world's population disappeared and there was a lot of humor involved where you think how did they you know employ this much humor but there was a lot of funny scenes a lot of good battle scenes uh captain america you know the the, the hammer coming in and thor like i knew it um <laughs> it, that was just that was really good stuff so 
Um, really, really good movie. Your thoughts? Oh no, absolutely. I thought uh, I thought Avengers Endgame was uh, stupendous. Uh, I know I'm I'm more of a Marvel guy, and uh, having read the Infinity War, I know that uh, I know in the Marvel Cinematic Universe they left a lot of stuff out that uh, transpired in the comic universe, and I realized that there was some creative license that had to be taken. Hold on a second. Uh, I just wanted because I said seven o'clock. It's actually seven. Okay. So if, no, no. If if you're listening right now. Rocky is still going on his uh, Avengers spiel. So we're still doing, like, there still might be some spoilers here. So I just wanted to put that out there just in case you did come back. I didn't want to be a dick and, and like, I came back at seven and they're giving me spoilers. So another spoiler alert because we're being so sensitive to people that don't want this shit spoiled for you. So give us, like, we, we were having seven, like five minutes, 705. 705, yeah. I promise, I promise you, I, I went long on my dissertation. 705 will be done. We'll be on for the next subject matter. So yeah. if you need to tune out and tune back, five more minutes of Avengers talk. Yeah, I, I, I won't chew on this long. Because, uh, like I said, I, I am more of a Marvel guy, and I know a lot of the stuff trans- that transpired in the comics versus uh, the cinematic universe. I, I was a big fan of it all. Uh, I agree with you as far as the uh, Professor Hulk thing. I would like to see that arc myself. I think that would warrant a couple of movies. Uh, because not for the other thing, I was a fan of the original uh, Incredible Hulk with uh, uh, what's the actor I'm thinking of? No, Bill Bixby going back. The, the, no, the original movie. The, oh, the Ed Norton. Movie. Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Not I, not the original original. Not, not the original. Eric Bana. Let's, let's not discuss that. <laughs> Obviously, guys, <laughs> we we go back a long way, so we do remember Bill Bixby. And yes. All that, that was good stuff. But you're right. But, I, I like the Ed Norton movie a lot. Yeah, I like the Ed Norton movie. I want to. I do want to see. Mark Ruffalo do his own Hulk movie and to do the arc that where he gets from, like you said, Tim, where he was at to Professor Hulk. I think that is definitely a, a noteworthy story. Um, obviously, me, myself, I jumped out of my seat as soon as uh, Mjolnir came to Captain America <laughs> and he started whirling around. I was pumped. I was psyched. That was that was a pop that I needed for that whole movie. Um, you know, it, it, it was obviously going to clock in for a long time for it to be the finale to a what 19 movie arc like i, I, I think it was 22 20, 21 or yeah. 19 to 20 whatever, maybe that was maybe that was a 20 second but yeah you it's know, a lot it, 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 you know it, it warranted the three hours yeah, i don't yeah. feel, i don't feel i don't feel that it dragged at any point and uh for me and i can understand where some people would say you know you need to bring the tissues and whatnot there were a couple for me there were a couple of poignant moments and the the, the final poignant moment for me you know aside from Obviously, the, the Stanley cameo and whatnot, but uh, seeing Cap go back and, and finally, uh, you know, get to marry Peggy and the whole that that whole arc ending, you know, that that's the biggest spoiler I'm probably going to give in my review. You know, that for me was really hardcore. I was like, you know, especially at least in my personal experience, being away from home and being away from family, and to have that be a reunion of sorts that crosses time. I was like, God damn, that was pretty damn good. And to see him pass the shield, I, I was pretty pumped about that. Yeah, and in some of the, I mean, you know, when you think about other things, you know, there's so much going on in the movie, you don't necessarily jump at that. But how about the makeup? I mean, they did a really good job at aging Cap. Oh, yeah, they did. Because for a second, I was like, is that a, like, I thought maybe it was a different actor. I'm like, no, that's him. That's him. And it, it legit looked real. Oh, yeah, no, it looked like he, he lived his life, and he's, a, and he's passing that shield. I was, I was, I was stoked for that. And yeah, there could be some disappointments, as you said, 
as far as far as uh, plot holes and and with uh, Tony and what happened with Tony and I know some some folks are really you know bent out of shape about that, but it, it was a story like you said. It started out with Iron Man and this is how it ended. You could you could consider it a whole story arc for Tony Stark. Well, especially being I mean when you when you think about Tony Stark and and why I think it really works for him. I mean look. I, I thought like Captain America was going to be the guy that sacrifices his his life, and and it's interesting how the way it all plays out, um, that Cap winds up getting to live a life that Tony Stark was trying to protect. Like Tony Stark had that family, had that child, sure. and Cap winds up getting that life because of Tony's sacrifice. But Tony Stark's a selfish asshole, sure. and and that's where I think I think you, you really bring up a good point that. Not that you'd say the whole universe is story arc for Tony, but when you think of the first Iron Man, and Iron Man kind of comes out of a place where, you know, he's protecting himself, and he's kind of a selfish prick, and, and kind of evolves into this superhero, and in the first Avengers movie, um, you know, almost sacrificed himself, and so you see that this evolution of, you know, a guy who was a selfish rich guy, for lack of a better term, and turning it all around and sacrificing the making the ultimate sacrifice in the end um and, and i do think that for that character uh that was pretty powerful Absolutely. and uh again not necessarily tissue worthy but i i thought that was a pretty cool scene that uh and especially when you, and i'll leave it at this because it's 705 okay. i i am inevitable i am iron man yeah that was cool, and we're and that is it. So if you just tuned in, all you heard was I am Iron Man, and that's it. Um, we are done with spoilers. Hopefully you're back on board. I I really hope. Again, I'm I'm trying to be sensitive. I just wanted to talk about it on the show. Um, I hope I didn't ruin it for anybody. But we are back on board. Uh, let's get back to a little bit of pro wrestling because uh, it was interesting that John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to refer to him as, um, promo this week. If you saw it. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, a couple things uh, th- that I'm intrigued with with John Moxley. Number one, promo cool. Everyone's assuming he's going to AEW. The the dice. Uh, uh, if you guys didn't see it, essentially it's Dean Ambrose. Uh, if you don't know his other characters, John Moxley, but uh, Dean Ambrose is in a prison. Everyone is theorizing. Obviously, that prison. You know. That prison where you're paid millions of dollars to do what you love. That, that prison, oh, the WWE. Um, but he's in a prison cell. He breaks out. Uh, he's going for the prison yard. Has to climb a fence. There's barbed wire that, of course, he can just carry down with his bare hands. Um, there's a couple scenes with him, like, hitting uh, punching bags and what have you. He's kind of hiding from the cops. Got his hood up, walking down the street. There's graffiti on a wall with uh, two dice with a two and a five. Everyone's assuming that's AEW on May 25th. Um, and then it's John Moxley is back. He's grasping barbed wire and there's blood pouring out of his hand. And, and that's essentially the promo. So here, here's a few questions I got for you. Like the first one I think is, all right, Dean Ambrose, he's a name, John Moxley, a guy that made his name basically Backyard wrestling, hardcore type shit, um, on the internet, on the independent scene. Um, you know, obviously WWE family friendly, couldn't do half the shit he basically got known for doing. Um, first question, and, and I want your your take on this. Number one, 
is he a needle mover? Is it like, all right, AEW can't rival WWE. Holy cow, they got John Moxley. Um, and number two, for this to work, where do you think they got to go with this character? Because Dean Ambrose is kind of the lunatic fringe, but he's he's a WWE. He's, he's a PG lunatic. John Moxley is a hardcore crazy son of a bitch. Do we get a full John Moxley? Do we get somewhere in the middle? Is AEW willing to go total hardcore with this character? Um, and then does this character work if they don't? So I'm kind of curious your thoughts about um, if it's in fact true, if the rumors are true and he's going to AEW, what does this mean for them? Well, I think what this does, uh, well, A, what it does is give the dirt sheets a hell of a lot of fodder to work with. Because <laughs> you have everybody speculating on where the hell he's going to go. Uh, but to answer the question on, uh, is, it, is John Moxley a needle mover? My first inclination is going to be yes. He is a needle mover simply because you don't know what you're going to get depending on where he lands. Because, like as you said, obviously in the WWE, you got... Uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, the PG Lunatic French. And yes, if you look at some of uh, some of his work as John Moxley, that dude did some certifiably crazy stuff. Like, you know, power tools and a whole nine yards and, you know, really bloody stuff. Now, the question is, what do you get where he lands? Like, just going down the hypothetical trail, if he lands at AEW, what are you going to get? Is AEW going to want to go that far? Um, and that's where I think they're going to have to tread carefully because he's going to be a needle mover until that first match. Uh, when they see that first match, my opinion is if they see blood and and I'm not saying you got, you got to show them buckets, but if they see blood, you're going to intrigue the fans. Now you're going to see, okay, where are they going to go? And, And obviously as a lot of stuff in wrestling, you got to start small, and you have to have that build up. I think it, you know, just a trickle, not not much. If you start, if you start that way and see where he goes, then AEW may use him to greater potential. If he has a match and it's a straight match, no real hardcore stuff, I think it. I think you move the needle a, a, a millimeter. And then it's going to take a nosedive straight down as far as the, the stock in John Moxley. I think it's a really good point. I, I kind of agree with you. I, you know, you want to, especially going with, like, he could have went with his real name. He didn't necessarily have to bring back the John Moxley character. Sure. He could have went with a different name. Um, you know, he went there. So if he's going back to that, there's going to be a, a kind of an expectation. And, and I agree with you. I, I think if we, if if he goes to AEW and we basically see Dean Ambrose, I, I don't I think it's gonna be like all right, well, we're seeing the WWE version of him. We're just seeing in a different promotion. I agree with you. I think we need to see whether he wrestles a match on the twenty fifth, uh, whether he comes in and interferes, like whether he's bleeding or he bloodies someone else up. You know, if he attacks, you know, if he attacks Cody. From behind at some point, and you know, especially with the, with the blonde hair, and like, is he still the blonde hair? No, I'm forgetting. Maybe I'm back with the brown hair. I think maybe I'm going. Maybe I'm back with the brown hair. Yeah. Anyway, but we'll get whatever. Leaves leaves him, attacks him backstage, attacks him after a match, attack, and like leaves him in a bloody heap. Like, and I'm talking not not like a little bit, like bloody, like bloody torso. Like we're talking, we need to go there. 
then people are, I, I agree with you. Then people are going to be like, oh shit, what, what's he going to do? You know, and then Cody comes back and says, you want to come? You want to come to my playground and you're going to, you're going to be like that? Fine. I can be hardcore too. And then you set up a match between the two of them, whether it's in a cage or a no disqualification match or something else. And you have the two of them beat the holy hell out of each other. I think you got something. But I, if we, if fans look at this and say, we're just getting Dean Ambrose in a different promotion, I, I think it's going to sink pretty quickly. And I, and I think they, you know, the one guy, and, and nobody has a bad, bad thing to say about him. And I know for the most part, his, his shows are, are family friendly. And I'm talking about Tommy Dreamer. Um, but I think, what, to me, what wrestling has gotten away from, and a lot of the WWE, because storylines are not developed, you don't get this as much anymore. But what I used to love about pro wrestling, and go back, uh, if you're, if, see, the thing is, you'd have to go and watch, and I hate when fans, like millennials, because, well, I hate millennials. But millennial, <laughs> when millennials go back, and they'll say they'll watch WrestleMania three. They're like, oh my God, WrestleMania 3 wasn't that good. Hogan Andre sucks. You know why it sucks for you? Because you didn't watch the months of of storytelling. You didn't watch Hogan and Andre and Bobby the Brain Heenan and, you know, and Jesse the Body Ventura and On Piper's Pit and Hogan getting a trophy and Andre getting a trophy and the trophy being a little bit smaller and everything that led up to that. You know, you don't get you. You watch the Mega Powers explode, but you didn't watch how that storyline was brilliantly told up until that moment. And that's the thing with pro wrestling. And if you're an old school fan, if you go back and you have at least a decent memory and watch WrestleMania three, you watch every match. You're like, oh yeah, I remember this storyline. And weeks before this happened, and this happened, this happened. Yeah, I forgot about that. You know, and and that's what's amazing. There's a story tied to everything. And as much as you don't get, like, that hardcore bloody match as much anymore with, like, um, Tommy Dreamer, what I love about Tommy Dreamer is if you go watch House of Hardcore, most most of his events will have, like, a Legends match. And they'll have, like, a match that's kind of comedy relief. And they'll have the smaller athletic match. And they'll have a hardcore match. And they'll have, like, they'll give you something that if, if you're a fan of pro wrestling, like, there'll be something in that show for you. Um, and I think you could do that again. So if you kind of develop, and I don't think you need to go back to a hardcore title, but if you develop almost like a hardcore division or at least a couple of guys in your promotion that are edgy, that are willing to go, you know, to extremes to, to get what they, they want. It's something that'll set AEW apart. It's something that will like work for that, that promotion. And because WWE really doesn't use blood anymore, and I don't need, like you said, I don't need buckets. But what I would like to see come back to wrestling is that, when, you know, when we get these blow-off matches, um, maybe we get a little bit of blood. If, if you have two characters that have hated each other for six months and they're finally wrestling their, their final match, let's get a little bit of blood mixed in there. Let, let's show like these two guys really hate each other. And in all honesty, as far as safety goes, to me, it's safer taking a little razor blade and giving yourself a nick on the forehead and letting the sweat just make it look a lot worse than it is than finding a, a you know, a 20-foot ladder and doing 17 flips off the top of the ladder to get, like, a, a minuscule pop. And, and I think that's where you need to look at going with John Moxley. But I agree with you. It depends on how they use him. 
No, absolutely. And, and to your point, you know, especially in this day and age, I, I can understand with the WWE not, you know, they're they're trying to keep family friendly. Vince is trying to cross this, you know, cross a lot of demographics. But to your point, when when you use guys who do the the acrobatic things and they do, and taking nothing away from that at all, you know, obviously Ricochet, guys like Ricochet and Finn Balor are enjoying, you know, increased popularity at this stage of the game. But some of the stuff they do, whether you want to, you know, you can argue or not, some of the stuff they do is career shortening. It's it's absolutely career shortening, and you're not thinking about the guys that do it. Because that versus little, like you said, little, you know, half an inch nick above your eyebrow and and a lot more years of being able to put food on your table, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, again, I applaud the athleticism of a lot of these guys in this day and age that are able to do that. They can dive, they can flip, they are willing to, you know, go up on the, the precipice and make the dive down. But every time you do that, you know, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to bet Mick Foley probably looks at that and like, well, that was a year, that was two yeah. years. There was five years off your career, and now when your career is said and done, instead of you know aches and pains, yeah, you may not be able to walk. We, we, we're not sure. I mean, we think in terms of storytelling, uh, you know, two of, to me, two of Hogan's best matches were were 18 with The Rock and 19 with um, Vince McMahon. Sure. And and you're just looking at storytelling, you know, and that's a guy like how many wrestlers today? Well, look at a Seth Rollins that you could say like I mean I love WrestleMania 18. We have I show that somebody. We have a poster up in the studio. Um, I think Hogan and Rock were brilliant, brilliant storytellers in that match. Um, I mean, Hogan was in his 40s at that point. I believe I'd have to look it up, but I believe he was in his 40s. Um, if anyone's on the Facebook Live, I know. Uh, hey, Mike Riker, you would probably know Hogan's age and uh. WrestleMania 18. Um, but how many guys now are going to get to their early, mid-40s uh, and be able to have a match, let alone the match of their career, at that age? The, the style they're wrestling. You know, is Daniel Bryan going to be able to get up there in age and still do what, what he does? And, and I commend him, the character he's, he's playing right now. Like I said, it's Seth Rollins, the injuries Seth Rollins has had. Is he going to be able to change his style and tell a story the way Hogan and Rock were able to tell at WrestleMania 18, I tend to doubt it. And you're right, like a little bit of blood can tell a much bigger story. And not only that, it makes for great photo ops. Oh, sure. In all honesty, like you can't, you can't really capture a, a spot in a still picture, but like you just, you know, I'm going back to the Bill After magazine, <laughs> uh, going back to those and like looking at, you know, you see like the covering, you just see someone like covered in blood and immediately like, holy shit, what happened there? It's like, I'm through, I'm through, you know, and like, you know, I, I just think it's, uh, it, it just loans itself to better storytelling. Yeah, and when you think about it, and it could be uh, an example in the modern day, when you look at Becky Lynch and the character she's cultivated, who who can argue that when you saw Becky Lynch, and, and yes, it was, a, it was a complete 100% accident when Nia Jax, you know, popped her in the face, bro- broke her face. But not for nothing, Becky used that. She used that to the nines. Is there any more iconic look from Becky than when she had a freaking bloody nose and just looked at the camera with her arms up like, you know, come at me now. Like, a, a little bit of blood goes a hell of a long way. You know Vince was pissed off, though. Like, he couldn't take the camera off her, but she's bleeding. God, God, damn it. That's a blood. God, God, damn it. Some breath like that. God, 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 blood. Um, 
like, I, I mean, we have the picture up in the studio from WrestleMania 13. I mean, you know, is there any more iconic, like, single photograph than Stone Cold, like, with the blood coming down his face from WrestleMania 13 in the sharpshooter, you know? And it's just that look. And they got lucky the way the blood fell and it went, you know, on the tooth, like, in the, you know, it was amazing, yeah. like, just getting lucky on how the blood fell. But, you know, that just, I mean, Woodstone, I'm not saying Stone Cold was great. Absolutely. Would Stone Cold have been as big without that iconic moment? Like when you think about the blood passing out in a pool of his own blood, and then JR talking about the toughest SOB passing out in his own blood. Like that whole collectively, to me, that single moment made Stone Cold. I'm not saying he's not a main eventer. I'm not saying he doesn't reach the pinnacle. I'm not saying that, you know, there's no Stone Cold if that moment doesn't happen. However, I don't think he's as big if you don't have that single solitary moment. And you've got to credit the blood a lot to how iconic that moment became. And Becky the same way. That single moment, like, yeah, you punched me in the nose. And guess what? Fuck you. Like, that was essentially <laughs> what it was. Absolutely. Like, you thought, you thought you got me. I'm bleeding from my nose. And I'm arrogantly standing there like, I don't give a fuck what you just did to me. And that, that's, what made, that's what has made this the man character that much more iconic that she took that. Would she be as big now? I don't think so. Would she be an inventor? Probably. Would she be champ? Probably. I think she's very talented, but that moment definitely shot her up there. No, no, absolutely. It, it, it's almost like an investment. It, it, it's stock because as you said, it, it also shows the many factors that go into making a moment like that, because to take your example with uh, Brett, having a stone cold in the sharpshooter, you know, you, you had, you had the blood on, on stone cold's face. You had the commentary, you had the referee there to watch him pass the hell out in a, in a pool of his own blood. You know, you can't, it, there's no one thing that makes a superstar. It is absolutely a collective effort. And if all of those parts are in harmony and all of those parts are on the same page, it's a magical thing to see. And it could just take one of those parts to put the thing completely out of whack. Agreed. And, and we started the show off talking about who is the, who's the warrior of the week. And just because that's what we wanted to do this week. And uh, look, we touched on John Moxley. We ch- touched on Nick Aldis, Mary Gregory. Uh, touched on us as far as uh, sticking to our diet. Who's the warrior? Nick Aldis. All these things we touched upon this week. And in all honesty, like maybe it's unfair to say warrior of the week, um, but warrior of forever warrior of the year um jesus christ man like this week caught the von eric's uh documentary um if you haven't caught it uh on viceland you've got to check it out if you're a wrestling fan for myself i grew up basically a wwe fan so um i i wasn't really well versed on the, like i knew the von eric's i've known through stories i've obviously watched matches but i didn't grow up like a Von Eriks fan. I basically knew Kerry as the Texas Tornado because I was primarily a WWE fan, but uh, Kevin Von Erich, just goddamn warrior. I mean, what he's been through and talk about needing to grab a box of tissues. Um, the, the statement that just killed me, that I, I went from having five brothers to not being a brother, just blew me away. And uh, the fact that he has found peace, um, the documentary was really well done. It, it said a lot. It, it was very poignant. Uh, Kev got 
overwhelmed a couple of times during the documentary and trying to tell a story. And honestly, at the end, seeing his two sons, they are Von Erichs. I mean, holy shit, the the gene pool in the in, in the Von Erichs. Like, is I'm like busting my ass on his diet and at the gym. Like, both his kids look chiseled out of granite. Um, pretty incredible. Would love to see the Von Erich name again rise to superstardom. Um, you know, maybe the NWA elevating. Maybe we'll we'll see something there. But um, as far as a wrestling fan and uh, something that I'm I'm not an expert on by any stretch, learning everything that I learned about the Von Erichs that that really tugged at the heartstrings. Oh no, it was an extremely extremely poignant uh, documentary, and just to watch uh, Kevin tell it. Uh, the, the the man's been through so much, uh, just with, with his brothers and his dad and the whole nine yards, the whole Von Erich family. As you said, Ken, I, I, I'm in your boat. Like, I knew Kerry Von Erich as a Texas Tornado and not much else. But uh, delving into the history of the Von Erichs, it, it, was, it was an eye-opener. And I, I hearken back to an anecdote from when actually we went to Texas uh, for uh, WrestleMania, uh, last WrestleMania in Dallas. And because during the, you know, in the documentary, you see that, you know, the whole of Texas, they, they were the sons of Texas. And it seems like, you know, everyone was friendly down there. And it just reminds me uh, of you, uh, you, producer Michelle and myself going into the diviest of dive <laughs> in Dallas, Texas. I was unsure we'd make it out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was, you know, I'm the little brown guy in there. I'm like, oh boy, like this is going to be intense. <laughs> But you know what? <laughs> to, to any Texans out there listening to the show, up. I'm going to give you 100% credit because you guys, you know, the guys in that bar were completely 100% friendly. It was completely 100, were 100% cool. And I found right, it was like when we put like we put Johnny Cash on on the jukebox, and then yeah, we so were the guys like looked up like, who here put on Johnny Cash? <laughs> like, oh, that, that was us. Guys, all right by me. Said <laughs> <laughs> that we were accepted. Yeah, we were. <laughs> we were part of the fold. But but you know, and I, I can understand a little bit of, of that southern hospitality of of Texans watching one of their own grow up and kind of be part of the Von Eric family, and then just to see everything you know for them come crashing down, you know, you know, tragedy by tragedy. It was it was really really uh, tough and really hard to take in. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy that like I mean, so like I knew that Kerry Von Erich, uh, I, I had heard about the accident. I had heard that he severely injured his foot. I didn't know it was amputated. Uh, no, no, I didn't. And, I don't and know. like, and in all honesty, like as much as like I remember being a fan of the Texas Tornado. He wasn't my favorite yeah. by any stretch, but I remember kind of being a fan. And look, wrestlers back then didn't do all the flippy doos and all the spots they do nowadays. Um, but I never noticed like a limp or or not like, at all. Like I gotta tell you, man. Like it's all like, I mean, a, a somehow like the, the the gene pool with with that family and what they were able to to do and accomplish. And and I don't know if you can be, but they're they're like born wrestlers. Um, it was pretty, like I want to go back and watch Texas Tornado matches because I cannot believe that he was wrestling without a foot. I mean, he must have had a prosthetic in the boot, or whatever, but. There was nothing noticeable no. that the guy was wrestling with one foot. No, absolutely. And honestly, it harkens back to uh, that, that quote from Nick Aldis. You know, a wrestler should look like Batista, not a barista. When you look at Kerry oh Von Erich, yeah. when you look at Terry Von Erich, he was chiseled and he was, you know, on top of his game and he was athletic. And like you said, 
I had no indication whatsoever because the footwork was there. Yeah. And obviously, and, and hell, for a finisher, it was a, it was a, it was a discus punch. You kind of had to be good on your feet for that. And, and when you think back then, oh yeah, technically he was on one foot. I'm like, gee, he yeah. he covered that up like like a champ. I like, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, all I was saying was like, I got to go back and watch. Uh... Like, I want to go back and watch some, like, matches with all of them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really wanted to go back and watch Texas Tornado matches because I, I had no idea. Um, but some of the – and even, like, I mean, you know, the tragedy in the family is, like, borderline Shakespearean. I mean, stuff where, like, you know, when, when Kevin's telling the stories, I'm like, you know, I got the phone call here and I told Dad, like, you know, don't let Terry go. It's like, oh, but I, I didn't get – like, it was just – like, timing-wise, like, you're just sitting there like – like Terry didn't have to die if just one person was like earlier or, or on time, or if Dad just said, "No, no, stay here," or you know, if you answer the phone at one moment, but you, it was just kind of so tragic how a lot of the, the suicides were just uh, you know based on timing, where someone was just in the, in the in the right place at the right time. And again, maybe we're talking mental illness, we're talking sure. people that wanted to die. I mean, if they didn't kill themselves at that point, would they have done it later on? But the way each tragedy played out, it was, oh, wow, like it could have been prevented, but just all these little things went wrong in, in a string of events that was just, that led to it. It was just, it was, it was horribly heartbreaking, but very, very well done documentary. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I look forward to it. I, I'm wondering where Vice Lance going to go next with the documentary. Well, next one, and I highly recommend it, the Joe and Gino Hernandez, which is another wrestler that is not, uh, a, a guy that I am well versed in, so I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about him. His uh, apparently in this documentary, and we're not getting paid for this, but apparently his mother says in the documentary, um, "Oh, I know my son was murdered," okay. and they were not prepared for that. So I am really curious to see this documentary. But anyway, we've reached the end of our show. You guys who listened in, thank you so much. You guys on Facebook Live, thank you so much again. Next week Mother's Day, we won't be on on, but we'll be back in two weeks. Another great show, Rock. Good times, huh? Uh, absolutely. Join the hell of it. And we're, again, we're going to talk about whatever the hell we want. So if you got anything you want to talk about, shoot us a message, comment on the Facebook page. Like, we'll talk about anything. But for Rocky, I am Ken. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you in two weeks. Good night, everybody.